Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. Good to have everybody here this morning. Let's go right here for the remainder of our time. I just want to share something right here. I'm, I'm very aware of the uh, time, and so... Uh, so I didn't tell them to sing that long. I didn't tell the Holy Spirit to move that long. So I'm gonna preach that long. Now I'm cutting up. And so let's go. Uh, let's go to Genesis. I just want to. I just want to drop something in you this morning, and um, I won't butcher it up too bad. But I just want to get the the gist of something right here this morning. So let's go to Genesis chapter one, in verse twenty six, and um, we'll get started here. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, and God, and then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Look at your neighbor and say, I got authority over creeps. <laughs> See, you didn't know that. See, that was worth the drive this morning. You didn't know you had that much authority. Look at this in verse 27. So God, uh, um, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God says, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of, the, of all the earth. And every tree whose fruit yields seed, to, to you it shall be for food. Also every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Then God saw everything that he has made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. I'm just going to continue pulling something out of here. Then the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, and out of the ground the Lord God made every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God uh, commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Now, I want to just pull some things out of there. I'm really just trying to set some groundwork and try to lay a little bit of foundation legwork to what I want to communicate to us today. <clears throat> How many knows that God, you know, I've often, you've heard people say, well, you know, uh, Eve didn't hear God say, don't eat of that tree, but she did hear it because she was in Adam when God spoke. He was speaking to both of them. How many knows that God created them, male and female? You can't get something out of nothing unless it, unless it was already there. We know that God formed a deep sleep upon Adam and pulled Eve outside of him, right? That's why, you know, men just talking about what they're going to do laundry to get in their feminine side. A man don't have a feminine side. 
Come on now. That's why he's got to go hunt one man. Lord, I ain't going to get these all kind of rabbits jumping up. You don't jump on right there, you know. But, Lord, let's stay at the task at hand here. So, anyhow, what I want to talk about is when God created Adam, it says that he created him in his image, in his likeness. And so Adam had a great view of who God was. This God would come down in the cool of the day and he would fellowship with Adam and, and then I, I believe that he would come down and he said, uh, you know, because he put, he put man in the garden and he said, he said, I want you to go extend this garden. That was his role. His role was to bring God's kingdom to the earth and reproduce on the earth what God had in his kingdom. And God would fellowship with him and he would, he would come down and he'd say, Adam, you know, what, what have you done today? Who, who have you named today? Who have, I mean, what, what animals did you name today? Where did, the, where did the extension of the garden go today? But there was also two trees in the garden. There was the tree of knowledge. Uh, uh, there, was the, there was all these trees were good, but God said, don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When man, when man fell and he ate of that fruit, there's a whole lot of things happen. And I'm just only going to deal with one of them today. But his view of God changed from that day forward. The view of God changed from that day forward. Adam ran after he had sinned and he heard God come in the cool of the day because God fellowship with man and he heard God walking in the garden and the Bible says that he ran and he hid himself and then, and then when he hid himself, he heard God call out and then he said, he said, I was afraid because I was naked. And the scripture says, who told you that you were naked? I'm telling you this morning that God has asked us a bunch of questions and said, whoever told you that I was like that? Whoever told you that I was angry because I'm not angry this morning? Whoever told you that I'm fed up with you because I've never been fed up with you? Whoever told you that it was not my desire to bless you? Whoever told you that you spent your last little bit of grace and now it's over with? Who told you that kind of stuff? Because I never told you that. That has never been who I was. That has never been my heart. Come on, somebody. And then we got this picture in the church where, you know, in the Old Testament, God was just an angry God. He's been a a good God the whole time friend from the beginning of time he was and he is good I'll preach a little bit so uh, let me ask you this gosh I gotta I gotta I gotta I can't chase no rabbits cause I'm I got uh let's go right here to Genesis chapter 3 it's just because I just I just gave you a synopsis. Of that. This is where man takes the fruit or whatever, and then now now he's he's hidden from God. Now God has to go kill an animal, put it around him, cover him up. Then then God releases the the judgment of what 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 caused all of that. Now let me ask you this: How many sins? I want to ask you this question: How many sins do you have to commit to be a sinner? How many? How many would all agree in this room that it's one? That is an absolute incorrect answer. Thank you, smarty pants. I came like Rod Parson this morning. He used to say this, I don't know all things, just most things. <laughs> no, I'm cutting up. Uh, <laughs> and a good, let me just say this too. I was telling Grant this one day. I, watched, I got this off of Ninja Turtles. How many of those Ninja Turtles? That's great wisdom on Ninja Turtles. 
Huh? I was in a service one night in Douglas, Georgia, and I released this prophecy over man. Man, hit the ground. I mean, this was some probably 15, 16 years ago, power of God all on him. And I was thinking if he knew where I got that from, because where I got that from was off of VeggieTales, and it was Exodus 14, 14, the Lord God shall fight for you. And I'm up there preaching. I seen, you know, Larry the Cucumber said, Exodus 14, 14, the Lord God shall fight for you. And I called the guy standing up. I mean, I, and those you, I never do. I said, sir, stand up right now. Exodus 14, 14. I seen Larry the Cucumber talking to him. He hit the ground. So in the Ninja Turtles, remember, the, the, I think one of the Ninja Turtles was going to try to take Splinter, the master. And Splinter told him this. He said, he said remember this. He said, I taught you everything you know, but I never taught you everything I know. All right, so listen, it doesn't take one sin to be a sinner. You became a sinner because Adam sinned in the garden. Let's, let's preach at what Paul said in Romans chapter five. By one man's sin, sin entered into the earth. You don't have to commit any. By one man's sin, we're attached to our great, 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 great granddaddy Adam in the garden and because he sinned, man became a sinner and the view of God's been distorted. That the, We didn't have an orphan heart till, till man fell in the garden and there the orphan heart was birthed in the earth. So here's the deal. I've been on this issue really for a month about fathers, but we're never going to get fathers until we get the correct view of our own heavenly father. Come on, somebody. Just because your dad blew it, listen, God ain't never blown it. Defects ain't never come to get him because he mistreated one kid. Come on, somebody. Now, by one man's sin entered into the earth. Here, fit to mess with you. By one man, sin entered into the earth and you became a sinner, not because of what you've done, listen to me, but because what? He did it for you. Now Paul goes on to say, by one man, righteousness entered into the earth. I'm blowing your mind right here. You didn't do nothing to get it. He did it and you come into what he's already done. Oh, I ain't got time to chase that rabbit. Got to keep going. That's good right there. Now listen to this. So, go with me right here to, um, to uh, somebody says, gosh, Luke chapter 2. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. So now, now, we got all the Old Testament killing, destroying, wiping out folk. So, this view of God's being distorted. Now, look at this in Luke chapter 2. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, but behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will what be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth look peace and goodwill toward men. Now, that is the announcement of heaven that Jesus is showing up and he's reminding them, I'm the same God that was with Adam. I have got goodwill toward men. How many knows that religion has sold us a lot of goods? Come on, somebody. 
the religionist and man has tried to clean his life up without God. Listen, we couldn't be clean enough. You can't read enough self-help books. You can't watch enough motivational speakers to change your life. If we could do that, Jesus would have never come, friend. I'm telling you that with the power of Jesus, we can change our life. Come on, you believe that in this room. So this is goodness toward men. Now, I got to read you this right here. This is where I want to get. Look at your neighbor and say, God's good. Now, let me just say this. Terry was telling me of of something um, the other day. And, oh, Lord, right here. Let me find what I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get uh, another version because I want to read this scripture out out of something different. Now, listen to this. This is what he said. Now, when we think about God being good, this is what I feel like we do. Well, we know that fried chicken's good. Can I get an amen? God help us. 20 something days without no fried chicken. Let's have a moment of silence. Listen, we know that's good, but here's the thing you can't compare God with what is good and then say He's good. God is the standard of good. So Terry was talking about this, like an EMT. The reason why he's got to know that blood pressure is what, 120, what is it supposed to be? 120 over, huh? 120 over 80. 120 over 80. What The reason why he's got to know that is that is the baseline. So he knows now if this is what is good, I know if it's high or if it's low. God set the standard of goodness. Come on, somebody. Men have perverted that. Men have tore it down. Religions come in, told us all kind of lies. And just like he'd asked Adam, who told you that? Listen. Listen to this verse of scripture I found. This is what I want to tell you. If you don't get nothing else, listen to this. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says, Throughout history, God has spoken, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, to our ancestors by his prophets. In many different ways, the revelation he gave them was only a fragment at the time. That is an incomplete picture in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, uh, uh, the, the, the Old and the New, how many knows it takes both? You can't take Old Testament and set it up as doctrine. Let me tell you how they've done that in the church. In Jeremiah, it says that the heart is wicked. Above all, who can trust it? Listen, if you can't trust your own heart, who in the world can you trust? If you are following after God, listen, you don't have that heart anymore. How many believe this in this room? How many believe this in this room? How many believe that there's two bears in you? Whichever one you feed the most is going to win. That's an absolutely wrong truth. There's one bear in you, and that is Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. The new man, the old man was totally destroyed. And if you're trying to drown him, listen, you're going to never win. You're in a war that you will never win. But if you come to the realization that person is dead, that addict died. Come on, somebody. That pornographer died. Come on, somebody. Listen and that mean man full of rage died, then you'll start living out of the new nature. Because what you believe about yourself, you will live out. You're going to act out what you believe. So listen to this. It's a fragment. It's a fragment. Do I believe? Listen, I listen to Jensen Franklin every week. Don't take me where I'm not going. I ain't worthy to buff his shoes. But listen to this. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at the time. Building one truth upon another. But to us, living in these days, God now speaks to us openly. Look at this. In the language of a son. 
the appointed heir of everything for whom God, for whom, for through whom God created the panorama of all things at all time. The sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact representation of God's true nature, his mirror image. I'm going to start there. I know I just read part A of that verse. Listen, we all understand each other in this room because we speak English. But if we had someone in here speaking Dutch, how many knows we would not understand? Listen, the reason why we struggle understanding God is because he doesn't speak English. He doesn't speak Dutch. He speaks son. That's what we just read. Did I not just read you the Bible in this room? He speaks to us now, what? Through the language of a son. So if somebody's telling us something that is biblical to be biblical truth and doctrine and we don't see it in the life of Jesus, it gives me reason to question that because God said the language he's speaking to us now is in the language of a son. Now, many have said the reason why Jesus has came. Jesus came what? To destroy the works of the devil. He came to seek and save that which was lost. But his primary mission, the reason why he came to earth is to put a face on an invisible God. And he is the exact representation, Hebrews 1.3 says, he is, the, he is the exact representation of the Father. You remember when one of them said, how long are you going, how long is it going to be till we see the Father? You're talking about him, but how long is it going to be till we see your dad? And Jesus looked at him and said, when you see me, you have seen the Father because I am an exact representation of who he is. How many knows in John chapter 14 verse 16? Jesus is talking about he's going away. He said, but when I come, I will not leave you what? As orphans. I will send one, another. He said, I will send another to come alongside and help you. That word another means the exact same kind. God was saying, listen, the whole I, Jesus came to reveal the whole to me and the Holy Spirit is coming and he looks exactly like Jesus. Gosh, I'm trying to preach this in a hurry to get us out by 12 so you can get the sisters. Listen, I'm gonna sound like an auctioneer. How many members in Acts chapter one when the Bible says, why do you men stand here gazing up? The same Jesus that went up is coming down in like manner. I'm sending an exact representation of who he is. He's just coming in another form, but he's gonna look just like me. All right, so now we know that God is speaking in the language of a son so now I have to start studying. Well, where do I start studying? I start studying Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to see how this son is talking. Right? Now let's go with me. We're going to travel for 15 minutes right here, okay? Now, go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. He's speaking in the language of a son. John chapter 17. How many will agree this is Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane? He's fixing to go to the cross, so this is the end of the ministry. Now he is looking back over the assignment, right? He's looking back over the assignment. Friend, I'm just telling you right here, if you think Jesus just came to the earth to save us and forgive us of our sins, you've fallen way short. Of, you need to get back in the Bible. He came for a whole lot more than that. Listen, how many knows when you bowl, when you go bowling, there's, there's little bitty arrows at the beginning of the bowling lane. How many knows that that's not the target? 
Just cause you hit. But the deal is, if you learn how to hit those arrows, it sets up for the ultimate goal, which is not going to strike at the end, right? That's the same way with forgive you of your sins. The reason, that's the first initial target, okay? The, the ultimate goal was to get the Spirit of God back on the earth and get you in field with the Spirit of God. Now, let's look at this in John chapter 17. He's overlooking. Now, look, look right here. John 17, verse 4. I've glorified you on the earth. I didn't come to glorify myself. I came to glorify you. Talking of his Father. Verse 6. I've manifested your name to the men whom you've given me out of the world. Look at verse 14. I have given them your word, and the word and the world, then the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Now look at this. In verse 26, I have declared to them your name and will declare it to, and, and, and will declare it that they love with, that the love which you love me may be in them and I in them. This is Jesus looking back saying, Father, I never gave up on the assignment. This is what I came. I came to put a face on you because men had a distorted view of who you are. Men thought you were angry. Men thought that you just kill people just because they don't do your will. Men thought you were ruling with an iron fist. And Father, I came to paint a face on you to show them that is not who you are. Now let's look at this. In Luke chapter 9, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus is sending out and he's given these young He's, he's given these young preachers great authority to send them out. Now, how many knows how you say, well, he's given them great authority? Well, he told them to go raise the dead, open blind eyes and deaf ears. How many knows that's more than a Bible class? He's, he's fishing to give them power and authority. And he sends them out. Now, look at this. I want to show you this. Now, here, here's how many knows this. When we talk about judgment, one of the things that our view on judgment has got to understand, we think that, listen, God don't use Katrina. Trying to help us here. He don't use earthquakes. He don't do killing, stealing, and destroying. That's the work of the devil, right? But now let me tell you what he does do. He does chastise us. You say, well, I've never been chastised. That's because you're not a son. I don't want to quote the King James. Don't get mad at me. Read King James, Hebrews chapter 12. He said, you're an illegitimate child if you don't endure the chastisement of the Lord. So God chastises. How does God chastise us? Well, Luke, well, John chapter 15 gives us a picture where Jesus said, I am the, I am the vine and you are the branches. Right? He said, every branch that beareth not fruit, I will prune and cut back. How many knows that's discipline? The pruning seasons of life. Why does God prune us? Because all of the energy will be to produce the branch, which is what we've done in the American church. We got a nice shiny branch, but we ain't got no fruit hanging from it. Hello. All the energy's been in building the branch. We build more buildings. We get more vehicles. Come on, somebody. We build bigger houses. But all of the energy is focused on the branch. Jesus is not focused on the branch. Come on. He's focused on the fruit. What is the fruit? Change lives. This is what he's after. So when we start building the branch and we get focused on the branch, he comes in to prune us. Now, some people, I, listen, because I've been around the block a little bit now. I stood Friday where I preached my first sermon almost 19 years ago. I've had the privilege of preaching in a many churches, okay? And listen, I've heard all kinds of stuff. 
And listen, you will be surprised how many people believe that God uses cancer, sickness, and disease to discipline his people. Well, you know, if, if, if listen, just because the person was never saved and got saved, when they got cancer, you, don't attribute, you can't attribute that to God. Come on, somebody. He can win with a pair of deuces in any hand you got. So here's the deal. The same people that preach that and believe that, why do you spend thousands of dollars going to get chemo and everything else to reverse what God is doing in your life? Explain that one to me. But the real deal is, is God don't use that. Why is God, why is God not angry this morning? Because there became a point in time when he was angry. Where did he put that anger? Where did he put that wrath? He put it on his own son. Right? So now, you said, well, listen, so a lot of Christians, I ain't got time to unpack all this, but when it comes to judgment, you think that you're going, I mean, that God's just going to just rail us at the judgment. No, if you really begin to study that, what you're going to find out is he's going to judge for you. Tell them I'm just plowing right here in this. Well, that's good. You know what I'm saying? This ain't the Holiness Baptist campground, though. We are moving forward. Glory to God. I'm going to have to quit this. Let's get you killed. So listen. So when he prunes us, how does he prune us? He prunes us with his word. John 15, right in the first three verses, he said, but you I have made clean through my word. The Bible you hold in your hand is the, how many knows that's the sword of the Spirit? But we thought it was the sword of the Spirit to cut devils down and people down. No, that sword is for you to lean on it and put it through your own heart. First of all, this word sword, there's two words for sword in your Bible. There's one that is listed for a claymore sword and there's one that's listed as like a short dagger which is what Raphael the Ninja Turtle. Come on. Somebody said, my God, he's infatuated with the Ninja Turtles. Remember Raphael with the Ninja Turtle had the little short dagger? That is the word sword there. That word, word sword is not for some long range combat. It's for hand to hand combat. And it's never meant to kill an enemy. It's meant to wound the enemy. That's God saying your role in prayer and in intercession. You never to take a devil out. Come on somebody, you don't. I can't get into all that. That's another trail right there. But listen, what the Roman soldier would take is a shield of faith. That, how many knows that the Bible says we, we got the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy? Let me tell you something. The, the devil is assassinating. He's firing cannons off every day. Can we all agree with that? He's firing shrapnel every day. Sometimes what would happen to the soldier is that there would be shrapnel that would, that would actually come through or pierce some of his armor and it would get embedded in his skin. How many's ever got a splinter? I remember one time when he was on vacation, Asher, Asher got a splinter in his foot for three days. Remember that man? For three days we was dealing. He was walking like this. And finally, I just had, he, he was asleep and I just jumped on him and I had to, I had to dig it out. Why? Because I wasn't going another day dealing with that splinter. He thought we was going to cut his whole foot off. Fear. So here's the deal. What the Roman soldier would take is the thing that pierced the shield and got stuck in him. He would take that sword to remove it. 
See, we want to blame everybody else. Come on, this is where we're at in America. Listen, well, we want to blame the media. We want to blame the Democrats. We want to blame the Republicans. Why don't you get your sword out and get it in your own life? Get your own bitterness out. Get your own unforgiveness out. Come on, quit looking for everybody else. The problem ain't in nobody else. The problem's in you. Hello, we got to dig it out. Everything that penetrates the shield, dig it out. Lord God, I forgot where I was going with all that. Let me just say this. So here's the deal. God speaks to the Son. Everything Jesus did, He did. But he, how many knows this? The Bible says He could not do anything on His own. He couldn't do nothing on His own. He only heard what He heard. He only heard what His Father was saying, and He and He just got in line with what the voice of the Lord was saying, the voice of God was saying, and He acted out what He heard His Father doing. Now, let's look at this in this uh, in this Luke chapter nine. He sends them out. Now let's look right here in verse 46. Going back to pruning here. He prunes us through his word. Now that word can come out of the Bible, but it should also come out of our relationships. I don't want to unpack that one, do it, Dusty. See, sometimes God's going to tell, God's going to use the person you're in relationship with to tell you something hard. But the Bible says an open rebuke is better than secret love. Come on now. Do we want to be a church that grows up? Do we want to stay around here in Pampers? But the last time I checked, I'm not called to bottle feed and burp at the back door. Lord, we have to calm down, Captain. I'm, I'm calm now. I got that from Jensen Franklin, by the way. <laughs> he said, I ain't here to bottle feed you and burp you at the back door. Let's go. Ready? Come on. We don't mind bottle feeding babies, Right? We don't mind burping babies. But now if you've been in it 10 years and we're still changing diapers, they something abnormal. All right, let's look at this. Gosh. I'm thinning the crowd down. Look at verse 46. Then in, a, then in a dispute, then a dispute arose among them. That's hard to believe that in church life a dispute can arise. But it's hard to believe, but it does happen. Look at this. Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them will be the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all will be the greatest. Here's what's happening. Jesus has given them great power. Notice that he sent them out in two. So that means me and Stanton wasn't working with Matt and Junior. He was on the other side of the county. So when we got back, we started comparing. Hey, man, I raised three people from the dead. Junior said, that ain't nothing. We raised, we, we opened 10 blind eyes and four deaf people was healed. This is what's happening. Now you know that Bartholomew jumped up. You know, we were the greatest. And all this dispute is rising. So here's the deal. Jesus knows if that is left unchecked, pride and arrogance is fixing to enter into his church. Come on now. So now I've got to deal with this. I've got, to, I've got to prune them. And how am I going to prune them? I'm going to tell them this. Listen, in your world, in your world, whoever's at the top, he's the greatest. But I'm telling you this. In my world, whoever humbles himself and gets on the bottom, he's going to be first. Come on now. He's, he's pruning it back. Now let's go a little further. Let's go a little further right here. In verse 49. Now, now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. This happens right now, right here in Cook County. 
No, we, glory to God, we, we Pentecostal. I'm Pentecostal slash charismatic. Whew. Huh? He said, Lord, we saw somebody and we didn't recognize the name on that van. That name wasn't our denomination, but we shut it down. I want you to know I took authority in that situation and shut them down. Come on. Jesus said, holy smokes. I got to do some pruning here. He's about to build something that totally not represents my father. Come on. So he says, hey. He said, listen. He pulls out his word. He said, I'm telling you, whoever receives me Whoever does the works of my Father, he's for us. Leave him alone. How many knows it takes all of us? Pentecostal, charismatic. Baptist, Methodist, four square, Nazarene, tangerine. It takes the whole nine yards. Now let's go on further right here. Here's my favorite right here. Listen, now it came to pass, I'm in verse 51, time had come for him to, to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face and they, sent, and, and they went and they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for, uh, set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Now think about it. This is Matt and Stanton. I'm going to preach at Bishop Curtis Church. They get there and they say, Listen, your preacher ain't welcome here. We tired of the message he's preaching. So they come back to me and say, Hey, you want us to call fire down on Bishop and them? Consume them all. That's what he did. Where did he get it? Because he witnessed Elijah crawl up on, listen, he read that Elijah crawled up on Mount Carmel and called fire down from heaven. He said, hold up, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. That's not my father. Listen, that was a season, but this is not the season we're in now. It's amazing how many people believe that California is going to break off in the ocean. Well, listen here. It don't take... If a, if a Category 5 storm comes and hits the United States, they will be, they will be, four, they will be four pages I'm just, you can't unbelievably read on the internet how God is... I'm telling you, God's about to judge us. He's coming. Now I'm telling you this. There's balance in everything that I'm saying. He poured the wrath out on Jesus on the cross, friend. We're in a great day called grace and mercy. Do you believe that? How many believe that God desires mercy and not judgment? Let's read it on again right here. Here's, here's Jesus trying to put the face on the Father. I believe it's in John chapter 8 where there's a story there's a story of a lady that is caught in adultery. The Bible of that day says she was to be stoned to death, which is still a lot of people's Bible today. You're going to pay for what you did. 
Most people believe in karma more than they believe in Christianity. <laughs> and she's caught in adultery. Now Jesus is coming to reveal his father. Everything he did was divine intent to communicate us a language through a son. This is how my father is. I know what she did was wrong. I'm not, cover, I'm, not, I'm not covering up what she did because Jesus addressed it, right? And Jesus' last words to her was with a pruning, go and sin no more. But when everybody was throwing the rock, Jesus came to set the face of his father and he said, listen, how about this? We're going to kill her, guys. But I want the first one of you, without any sin, I want you to be the first one to cast the first stone. Then I'm going to join in. And out of that crowd that was standing there, there was not one person that could grab a stone and go out and get them. I want to make this statement to you today. There's not a person in this room that could grab a stone and go after somebody else. And so Jesus took that. He gets on the ground and he writes in the ground and I don't know what he wrote on the ground. But all I know is, is when he knelt down and he began to write, and he, then he gets up and he says this, you know, and, and, and we'll just use it like the way Stanton preached at nine. He got down into, into the ground because that's where she was at. That's where she was living. Because she felt like she was worthless to society at this point. How many knows this? Listen, listen, I've heard this all throughout the South and all my life. Well, God will help those that can help. God will help those that will help themselves. Listen, God will help those who can't help themselves. That's religion saying if you do your little bit of works, then God will show up on your little bit of works and he'll help you. That is works mixed with grace, which according to the book of Galatians, God says makes me sick. Come on, somebody. I got to find some kind of landing room. Let me just ask you this. Church at Laodicea. God said, because you neither hot nor cold, cause you running in the middle, you make me sick. Cause you attend church two times a week or two times a month, I'm sick with you. But I love you now. I love you. You don't make me sick now when you're there every time service is open. I've heard that preached. When you're fasting and praying, God loves you. But now when you when you're fleshing out watching as the world burns. Come on. Then, then God said, You make me sick. I'm telling you, he's talking to something deeper there. When you try to mix your works, you make me sick. I wish you was hot, fully on my side. I did it for you. Recognize what I did. Get in line with me and let's go. So He's changing the view of them. And now all of a sudden they've got they they're 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 being faced with, oh my God, now we got the man that says he came to put a face on God, but God's word says, I mean, we got we got word here that's been handed down saying we should kill him. Now he's saying not kill him. Let's go on a little further. Blind Bartimaeus. If you were blind, he was a beggar also. We know that. The priest had, put, had, had, had ordained him, put clips on him to let everybody else know he was a beggar so that he could approach the priest to beg for alms and they could give him a little something. Listen, God don't just want us getting by. He wants us totally free, totally whole, moving. 
So Bartimaeus cries out because he hears that Jesus is coming and he's calling out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. The preachers, the teachers, and everybody else was saying, Bartimaeus, be quiet. Bartimaeus, be quiet. Pipe down. But the Bible says the more they told him to be quiet, he cried out all the more. Everything God is doing, everything Jesus is doing is with intent because he's done heard his father's voice. And the scripture says he stops in the middle of the street. And the scripture says as he stops, he rises up. Bartimaeus rises up to go see Jesus. And the scripture says he lays aside the beggar's coat. Listen, God don't only want us healed. He wants to change our whole identity into this, in, out of the orphan heart into the sons. You know how orphans live. They live in a world where there's never enough. It don't matter what your bank account says, there's never enough. You, I'm going to break it on down right here for us. Really, right where we live. All, listen, you take this. How many people you say, well, we just love going to buffets. A lot of that, listen, not only has to do with our obesity, but it has everything to do with how we determine and see life because you believe there's never enough. Come on now. You don't see kings at a buffet. I like buffets. Paul said he buffeted his body. That's what we in the American church has done. He said he buffeted his own body, beat it in subjection, but we've translated that to say he buffeted his body. Because we're worried about there's not going to be enough. We look around the room and we don't say it as sons, we say it as orphans because when we see Stanton blessed, we get mad because God didn't bless me. When we realize it's a family, come on somebody, and we realize this, if God blesses one, he's, not, he's no respect nor person. There's neither Jew nor Greek. Come on somebody. If he can do it for one, he'll do it for me. And this is what my heart should be. Thank God that he blessed Stanton. You know what? If he got that close, that means he's in this house. And it's a matter of time, baby, before mine is coming in my lane. But we got to break this mentality and Jesus come to replace that. Listen, I said this Wednesday night, you can never cast the orphan heart out. It has to be replaced through, through divine sonship and a correct view of the Father. Well, the reason why our view of fathers all messed up because we had earthly dads that was a poor representation. I can tell you this, you didn't grow up, all of us didn't grow up in the great house. But here's the deal, you got to make your decision. Either I'm going to let that affect me the rest of my life or I'm going to learn how that I got little. He wasn't the ultimate decision in my life. Come on, somebody, that I, I have a great father and I want my view of him to be correct in my life. And listen, I can stop that kind of generational thing happening in my family and start a whole new genealogy. I'll show you how we've done it. The King James commentators, when if you open your Bible, I have a new King James. And I listen, it don't matter to me. Um, I used to run revivals or whatever. There was one man called me. He said, now when you come, he said, you bring that King James red letter, 1116 edition. We want it the way Paul wrote it. Paul didn't write it that way to start with. So here's the deal. I'm trying to show you what we say. Luke 15, if you open it, and it is the parable of, uh, Luke has given two parables. He gives the parable of the lost coin, and then when it goes into the parable of what? The prodigal son. See, we've made that about the prodigal son when it was never about the prodigal son. It was always about the extravagant father. God, I feel good on that. 
Got that from Paul Manwaring, by the way. I'm not that anointed. It's, it's, it's not about the prodigal son. It's about an extravagant father who looks at a young son and his son says, Father, give me my inheritance. And Father, don't hold nothing back. I came to tell you this morning, Father holds nothing back from you, friend. You're limited in your own view, in your own heart. You're encaged in your own life. That is not who Father is. He holds nothing back from us. He holds nothing back from us. There's some things that Father wants to give us, but we're not at a place to receive them. I give you this illustration. It's all throughout the Bible. It's in Galatians. It says, though you err of all things, but because you are an immature son, you remain as a slave. Am I in the book? So here's the deal. And to show you this, my, my, my nephew is, got out of elementary school, was well, going to sixth grade, right? Middle school. Well, when he enters into middle school, his daddy buys him a case knife, a sodbuster junior. How many knows what I'm talking about? Case sodbuster junior. Any country folk in here? All the city folk like, what? <laughs> so he comes to my house. He ain't had the case sodbuster but two days. Now, John Bentley is not in middle school, but in elementary school. He don't need a case sodbuster junior. So about 10.30, John Bentley wants to, he runs upstairs and he's cutting this lid and he says, hey, I need your case sodbuster junior. I'm totally unaware. From 10.30 now to about 1 o'clock on the door. Daddy, I, I need a Band-Aid. So I get up, cut the lights on. I'm thinking, wow, we need a little more than a Band-Aid here. So I take him to the doctor. Our doctor is uh, Allison across the road. I said, can we, can we go get some glue? Because see, the orphan here is thinking how much stitches cost. Come on, help us out here. Huh? <laughs> so what are you saying? Listen, he was not at a place to handle a case sodbuster. That's why he don't own it yet. But our father holds nothing back from us. So the son is demanding an inheritance. He, he gave it to him. Now I believe this, that the father, how many knows this? He's got, he's got a lot of wisdom, right? I don't believe he handed him everything. I believe he handed him part of it. I'm just trying to help us. I'm trying to bring this to a close. The same way you and I get it. Listen, the children of Israel got the inheritance one piece at a time. That's the way you and I will. Well, we can be faithful with the little bit we've given right now. He'll release the more to us. Come on now. Because you and I are growing in the process. So, how do you, listen, let me tell you, how, how do you know he's an extravagant father? See, I am a country boy and, and, and Ken's got cattle, but if you want to kill a cow, listen, if you want to kill a cow in December, you got to be planning for it a year in advance. Am I right, Ken? Because what has to happen is you have to stall, you have to put that cow in a stall. You got to do a lot of things, okay? You got to turn him into a steer and you got to put him into this and you got to feed him and he's got to get fat. So how do you know that? The father was planning the return of that son a long time before he ever saw him. He, he, every day, the scripture says when he saw the son, he was on the front porch. 
I believe he said, you know what, devil, you're a liar. He won't never stay in the land of the unknown. He's raised as a son. Listen, I trained him in the way that he should go. And the scripture says, even though he departs, he's coming back home. And you know what? I'm going to train this calf. I'm going to stall him up because he's coming home. And every day he stood out there, and when he saw him, he ran, and he put the robe of righteousness on him, a ring on his finger, and sandals on his feet. And he restored him and had the fatted calf. Now here was the problem with the other brother and the church has painted him like he was the faithful one going to church every Sunday and didn't mess up. Yeah, but he was full of religion, bitterness and poison. I, I don't worry, listen, I'm not afraid of people this with all kind of addictions. At least we can see that. What scares me is the stuff hidden in the heart that you don't know. So the other brother, I'm landing this plane. The other brother, he sees a party, a celebration going on. And the more they celebrate and the more he hears the guitar picking, the matter he's getting. And he says, Father, I've been with you the whole time. I work like a slave, man. I get up from at daylight. I've never blasphemed your name. I've never brought anything negative against a family but you never killed a fatty calf for me. He says, son, all that I have is yours. It's been yours the whole time. We could have killed a fatty calf anytime you wanted to. But your view of me is I'm a taskmaster. You just got to work your way through the ranks and then you'll get there. Can I tell you that's the world system? And we brought that over in the church when it comes to father and son relationships. I, boy, I got, I'm putting some big stuff on the podcast here right here. Might have to pull this back. I heard this, and he's a great leader. I heard him preach this, but I'm telling you this. that he, It's talking about the picture of the apostolic was, was, uh, was uh, Isaac going up the mountain, bearing all the weight, toting all the wood, and the father was alongside him bearing the knife. What kind of relationship is that? I ain't never pictured my sons as a piece of wood and me to bear the knife to cut them. A lot of our discipline is to make the parent feel good, not to train the child in the way that they should go. It's how we do it. Let me tell you my own sin. The Bible says confession is good for the soul, right? I'll confess my own sin. We had to go get, my dog had surgery, um, and so we had to go get him. And the boys had, the boys wanted ice cream and I went and got them my ice cream. And to be honest with you, I was sitting there thinking because they didn't, they didn't jump in, didn't eat all of his and it was sitting in my console. I wanted to drink it so bad. And I, I had my eyes and my mind on that ice cream. <laughs> so I told them when we got home, I said, I, I told them, I said, unclip the leash. And I said, let, let, let Bo out and let him go in the yard and do his business. You know what I'm saying? So let him do it. So when he did, he clamped him, and then the dog shot out the back seat up onto my console, and there went that ice cream over everything. You know, and I wish I could say, you know, I said, that's okay, guys. In the heat of the moment, I raised my voice. You can't do one thing. That's what I said. And immediately, he shuts down. And I, and I had to go to, listen, that's not, that's, that's, that's not how our father is. He never, he never, he never does that. That, that, and I said, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I'm telling you, what we got to realize is this. The reason why we got orphans is because we don't have fathers. The reason why we don't have fathers is because we don't have a correct view of our Heavenly Father. 
But when fathers rise up in a place, in, in a house of God, and in, 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 in a house, they will drive that orphan spirit clean out of their children. That's how we remove it with the fathers rising up in the place. So what? here's a son that says, he says, son, everything I've had has been yours. I want to tell you, church, this morning, deliverance belongs to you. Healing belongs to you. Joy belongs to you. Salvation belongs to you. Everything that Jesus purchased on the cross is yours to get. And it is a simple gift this morning. All you have to do is receive it. How do you get saved? You simply receive what he has already done for you. How do you get healed? You simply receive what he's already done for you. How do you get free? You simply receive the truth of what he's already done for you. Stand up with us this morning. Now here's the deal. God is speaking through the language of his son. When you see this about judging cities, we know that that's, we know that that's not God. I don't, I, don't, I, don't care, I don't care who says it. Because in that, the language of the son was, he said, do you want us to call fire down? Do you want us to call fire down on that city? And he said, hold up, man. You don't know what manner of spirit you're of. In this moment right here, you're not in the right heart because that's not the language of my father. My father has mercy. I want to ask you this. If God couldn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of one man living there by the name of Abraham and Lot was also there also, how in the world is he going to break California off when you got, when you got Jack Hayford, you got TBN? Look at the great things that's in California. Huh? He couldn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah until Abraham left. Now listen, I think this. Here, here's the problem. That, listen, I know this. The church is going to have to embrace a lot of mystery. And the things that we got all these questions. And sometimes, listen, I can't explain that. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 don't, I don't understand a lot of things. I don't understand why there was believers in that tower that God didn't tell them don't go to work that morning. I don't understand that. Does anybody else? But the problem is, is when we don't understand stuff and we try to start creating theology that God never intended, that's where we mess up. How many knows this? If you want to bring correct, if you, uh, listen, how many knows this? There's a lot of wrecks happen because they go off on this side of the road and they overcorrect it and come back on the other side of the road. So just raise your hands. There's a lot of good things happening in here. Are you with me? A lot of good things happening in this worship service this morning. Father, I pray this morning to help us to have a clear image of who you are. Father, you're good. You're good. You're speaking to us through the language of a son. Father, Jesus came to represent you. He came to put a face on you. And Father, this morning, you're good. You're not angry at us, Father. You're not the things that have happened in my family. It's not my fault, God. I can't walk around with that burden and that thing that this stuff has happened because of, of stuff in my family. But Father, I know this morning that, that, that you are good, that you are for me, and that that listen Paul said it like this he was shipwrecked he was beaten all of this stuff and he said but I am persuaded that nothing shall separate us from the love of God neither height nor depth nor peril nor sword nor pestilence nor disease nothing shall separate us from the love of God Father I thank you of your great love and your great power
compassion towards us. You're a good God. Father, I know that my own dad made mistakes in my life. And Father, I've confessed in here the mistakes that I've made at raising my own boys. But I know this, that you are good. You are 100% perfect. You're a great dad. And help our image be, be corrected to the language of the Son this morning. Let us look at Jesus and see how great you are. Now, Father, I bless them this week. I pray that this week would be an awesome week. I pray as they enter out into the workforce, Father, that they would realize that they are kingdom people, that we're not a plumber. We're a man of God that's clothed in a plumber's uniform. God, I pray for great things to happen at the school. I pray for great opportunities over these people this week. Great business contracts, Father. Great relationships, God. Bless our relationships, God. Bless our homes and bless our marriages, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. God bless you all. We'll see you here Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.